It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hope you're ready, because we're in for another edition of BrewCast, and I'm Luke Yardy. We got a fun episode here with you. Anthony Broom, Chris Castellani, we got the whole gang back this week, ready to talk quite a bit with you. You know, we got to talk a little Michigan basketball, some Michigan football thoughts, because uh, some things came out on that, Uh, the AAF over this past weekend was looking pretty good. Maybe some Kyler Murray talk. We've got a fun episode here with you as we push through the month of November, a wintry cold, or excuse me, it's February. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's man. Must've been a long day for me, but it's February. It's not November. I don't even know where I got the words November from. I must be thinking football season. I don't know, but uh, we, we got a fun one here today. Anthony Broom, Chris Castellani. How are we doing today? Yeah, you scared me for a second because right before we you, uh, we started a recording, I took a nap, and it was one of those naps where <laughs> you don't like you literally don't remember falling asleep, and then you wake up wondering what what year is it, and then you just saying November is like oh my god, like I just sleep uh, for the mind a little bit. All right, I did yeah. that on purpose. I did it on purpose. A little brain teaser, huh? <laughs> but uh, yeah, everything's all right. Uh, it's going to be another one of those little grab bag episodes. It seems like is right now is just outside of basketball. I mean, they're playing two games a week and we kind of nothing, nothing too groundbreaking, some steps in the right direction for sure. But uh, just one of those, one of those weeks where there's just not a whole lot going on. And uh, I over promised on a guest for this week uh, that fell through. Hopefully we'll be able to reschedule it. Uh, I under delivered. So uh, shameful on my part. I know. Chris, how are you, man? Doing well, guys. Uh, yeah, another another week in the books for sure. This is, I feel like, kind of the first week since the new year began where there isn't any, like, even where there isn't any big football news. Uh, I feel like football season, it, we're officially into full basketball mode at this point. Um now that could change with you know one hire or, or something like that one big recruit, but uh, you know we got uh, signing day as as for the most part you know it, on its way out and um, 
it's kind of getting into nitty gritty time as far as Big Ten basketball is concerned. And yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's kind of, as far as just sports go. Now, I'm not saying that these, that Michigan basketball on its own is boring because it's not, but there's not a lot of sports going on right now. And so it is a weird time, but obviously we're, we're going to be able to find stuff to talk about. You people don't have to worry. Chris, are, are you telling me that uh, Ferris State and Bethune Cookman, off you know, assistant coaches being hired as offensive analysts, didn't move the needle for you? And not for me, no. Maybe for some <laughs> people, but uh, it didn't. Uh, it, I, I didn't uh, have to. I didn't jump up and down at the news, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's weird. It's weird how whenever a sport ends people say oh it's this season it's this season or you know basketball season begins (laughs) or or, i'm sorry let me take that back after like the super bowl is over and there were a lot of people in my of my baseball twitter friends saying it's baseball season now i'm like no it's not uh (laughs) we have two like i'm not even one of those people can be like oh pitchers and catchers are reporting to spring training it's like yeah okay it's so so we, we, you you don't your jimmies don't get rustled over or rustled over uh, the equipment truck being loaded up and driving down to Florida. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and, and and I look if if it does for you, that's fine. But like it, when well, when ta- the final, I'll tell you what got me what got me excited for baseball is that I saw today that the Tigers are going to do a Ron Gardenhire Game of Thrones bobblehead. I saw that. Said, that yeah, it says House Guardy on it. Like, yeah, I, I'm I'm ready for that. Like let's do yeah. that, and those are pretty much the type of promotions they're going to be having. They they should probably do every night if they want to get people into the uh, <laughs> seats at Comerica Park this year. But that's conversation for another day. We're uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, of Michigan sports to talk about. A good uh, a good week in basketball, I would say. I would say probably the best week they've had uh, in a while. It's they're finally uh, in the swing of things where they're playing two games a week, not one every two weeks. And um, and they came out with two good W's over the over the last week. So, well, here's where I want to start. All right, it was a good win against Wisconsin, and I want to get into Michigan basketball. But I want to start with the fact that I hate Wisconsin's basketball team. Like literally, I see red, and and not the Badger red. Like I see red in my eyes whenever I watch them play. They are infuriating to watch. You know, first of all, they're dirty as hell. They uh, they flop like a foreign soccer team, you know, like they're playing in the Premier League or something. I mean, they flop like I've never seen any basketball team flop before. Did I mention that they're dirty and that they just uh, there's something about it. I saw someone put it on Twitter perfectly like uh, they said that Wisconsin. They. Their style of basketball is to hold you underwater while also being underwater and hope you drown first. And it was it was the most perfect thing that I've ever seen. I just can't stand watching them. I hate Wisconsin. I will gladly root for both Ohio State and Michigan State when they play Wisconsin. Gladly. I don't think I've ever despised a basketball team more than I despise this Wisconsin Badgers team. Good lord. They're your I mean, Indiana. The, the, what yeah. what Indiana is is to me, Wisconsin is to you. Now, let me ask: is it is it just this addition, this version of the Wisconsin basketball team, or has this been something that that's been boiling over for several years? No, man, I think it's just this version. Like, I liked the Frank Kaminsky team with like yeah. Sam Decker and those guys. I liked that team. I haven't had a problem with Wisconsin. They've been almost indifferent. It's this team. It's Brad Davison's flopping in dirty play. It's Ethan Happ. I, there's something about Ethan Happ. I used to like Ethan Happ. Now I just hate him. Yeah, I, Dude, I just hate this from, team. He went from the zero to 60 scale of hateability really quick. Like, <laughs> real quick. He, he was just like the, oh, oh, he's the, you know, the Big Ten's big man. You know, uh, st- uh, this will probably piss some people off. In my opinion, the best player in the Big Ten this year. Don't tell some people in East Lansing that. But, uh, and then all of a sudden, like, in, in, in a matter of weeks, is like he's, people are like, this guy's Grayson Allen all of a sudden. Uh, and and it could just come with the fact that he is really good and pretty much unstoppable. I mean, he is their entire team. Um, but yeah, I, I I get what you're saying. 
Um, I don't know. It, it, it's I I feel like this uh, at some point. There's always one uh season where where there's a Big Ten team that gets under my skin. I wouldn't say this Wisconsin team gets under my skin any more than than other ones do, but I get what you're saying. Maybe I just haven't watched them enough. Man, I just I, I can't stand Brad Davison. I just see him like he is the Big Ten's Grayson Allen in my mind, and, and even worse. <laughs> I, I think I don't know if I've ever despised a player in the history of my fandom. And I thought I was past this. Like I, I thought I was to the age where like college kids are younger than me. You know, like I, I thought, you know, I for the most part I just stopped despising people. Brad Davison, God, I, I know he does a lot of great work off the court, whatever, but when he's on the court, oh my God, I just get so mad sitting on my couch. I get infuriated. It's amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, speaking of guys like Davidson and um, I almost called him Ian Happ uh, from the Cubs, Ethan Happ. Yeah. Um, John Beeline also shares a disdain of of Ethan Happ. If, if your guys are able to hear this, Ethan Happ uh, said to me at the end of the at the game, "I hope to see you again this season." No, Ethan, I don't want to see you again the rest of my life. <laughs> this guy is absolutely incredible. And the minute, the minute that we we weren't supposed to double all night. One of our guys left his guy and doubled to hit a big three against us. Davison hit big threes. You know, it's just really hard to to um, to defend him. So yeah, and he is. Ethan Happ is really, really, really good. Yeah, like he is was, a great player. That was a game where I don't know. It was both coaches said after the game, um, <laughs> "Toot my own horn, I was there once again." Um, both coaches said after the game that that was really that really was a carbon copy of the last time those two teams played, yeah. where it was honestly literally almost exactly the exact same game, except one team pulled out in the other direction uh, in the last few minutes. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty annoying. Um, I won't go as far as to say like that's my most hated team ever. I mean, some of those they're going to play Michigan state twice in the next few weeks. And you're going to see them probably slap the floor and that's probably going to piss you off and bring all of those like <sighs> stupid emotions of the rivalry back into it. That's um, the only thing Wisconsin lacks. That is literally it. If they did that burn the entire goddamn town of Madison down, <laughs> <laughs> man. Oh man. Uh, you feel strongly about this. I, I don't, <laughs> I literally, I'm so mad just thinking about it. I just I just really don't care for flopping in the game of basketball, period. Like it's it's almost an art form in the NBA now. Like we see that all the time. And um, you know, I don't I don't I don't want to say that the game has no place for that, but it's just like It doesn't. No, it it does not have any place for it. Well, I mean sometimes you can sell something and it's not a blatant flop. Uh, where you could just maybe hit the ground a little harder than uh, than you maybe would have, but like the stuff where like a guy he feels wind whiff by his face and the guy drops like he just got shot in the head, like that's that's some and that's one of the reasons I don't like soccer all that much is because you watch some of these you know I go out to breakfast on Saturday mornings and the TV always has you know whatever's on something something soccer league there's a billion of them. And uh, like these guys will fall on the ground. They'll be on the ground for two or three minutes, like writhing in pain, like Peter Griffin with the. Ah. Whereas, okay, I'll say this though about the women's and this is not to go off on a tangent of soccer, but you watch the women's world cup. I just like those girls will take like a free kick to the face and play with like blood dripping down their face and still play. Whereas like, I don't know, just stop. I, I hate I just hate softness in sports. Like, I'm. It, it just, yeah. I it, well, it, I no further comment. I, I should disclose as well. I think what I also I hate about this is that I'm team ban charges. I hate charges. I think it's a, a cowardly, cowardly play. Like, there's a difference between an offensive foul and a charge. Like, if you leave your man to step up and stand straight up, cover your nuts so you can take a hit, go to the floor, and try and get an offensive foul. I think that's a cowardly basketball play. So I am 100% team ban charges. I think if you put your head down and you just like start running over guys, that's an offensive foul. That's different. But anyone who just stands there willing to take a charge, I think the play that 
pissed me off most that really set me off was the one where Jordan Poole drove in, had a wonderful pass, took like an extra step and, and tried to almost dodge away from a guy standing there. I, I can't remember which player it was for Wisconsin. He's just standing there, not even playing defense, just covering his dick so he doesn't get hit and he, you know, he goes close <laughs> to the ground. And and Jordan Poole like had passed it and took two steps and then went into him and they called an offensive foul. It just completely took me off my rocker and and I was already pissed off from the time they played in Madison and that one that was the one that set me off I was like how can you even watch this team or root for them it was ludicrous I've never heard you this fired up about anything on this show no and we've had a lot of we got through football season we got through football season with some really bad losses and you were never this fired up I'm impressed but I don't I don't hate it I get it Maybe I just don't have hate as much hate in my heart that needs to be unleashed, but I get it. Builds it builds up, you know? It builds up. I understand. Now, <laughs> now we're, we're talking a lot about uh, uh, Wisconsin hate, and that's understand, uh, understandable and, and justifiable to some extent, but uh, we're kind of forgetting the fact that there was a game played on Saturday, a game that Michigan won, and uh, it was, as I said after the game, it was kind of a boxing match of a game, I would say one of, you know, one of the better performances of the season in, in some ways uh, by Michigan. I think offensively they're finding ways to, it, it was impressive that they found a way to win a game in which two of their biggest offensive weapons, uh, Iggy Brodsdakis and Jordan Poole as well were not hitting. Um, Jordan Poole had a couple baskets, but uh, really the last several games or so has looked really off, and I think is somebody who needs to get going. Uh, but the big story of the game, and I'll, well, two, two big stories of the game, um, and I'll get to the big one in a second, but first off, John Teske uh, just continuing to just blossom into uh, one of the better big men in the Big Ten right now. I, I mean, his – and I don't, I don't know about you guys – I'm not as shocked by John Teske's improvement as some other people are. Like, there's some people who act like last year the guy just couldn't even walk and just say, oh, my God, I, this guy, the improvement of John Teske, he's just, um, how, what happened? Last year he was just awful. That was great. And I'm like, no, he, he was fine last year. He just barely played. Uh, they Mo Wagner got the minutes last year, and he should have. Teske came off the bench, scored 17 in the Big Ten Championship game, like, he had a fine year. He did what he needed to do. Uh, but at the same time, I I think as far as uh, I didn't know he was this good uh, defensively. And I didn't know that he he was, you know, as strong in the offensive end. I, I, he's he is better than I thought he would be. I'll, I'll definitely say that. Uh, I mean, what do you guys have to say on that? John Teske, I think on both both sides of the ball. Um or both sides of the floor. Uh, let me correct myself. Yeah, before, that, uh, was, before we was give outstanding our on take on this, um, I, I, we, we, I know we'll get to it, but I know you're going to have a chance here, Chris, to address something we've talked about on the last few podcasts. So I'm, I'm looking forward to your thoughts on that. Um, I guess I'll yeah, start cool. with John Teske. I mean, I am, I am not a tall person uh, by any means, but standing next to John Teske, like, and the media room over the weekend. This is really the, they, we usually get him after games, but I never usually get over to him. I was the first person to him this time, and to stand like directly, well, I should say not next to him. I was underneath him. Um, that is a very large person, and when you watch a lot of times him on defense, you know he's already seven feet tall. He's two hundred forty-five, two hundred fifty pounds, whatever it is. He puts his arms up and you've got like 10, 11 feet of, of air just covered. So that that's the thing that's really impressive. Not just, not just about Teske, but about Michigan's defense in general is that, you know, it's not a, they're just so fundamentally sound. Like someone drives the paint, drives in the lane, the hands go up. Like you're, you're not getting a lot of easy looks there. So, um, and as far as he goes, I mean, yeah, this is a guy, I mean, it's no, he was no slouch by any stretch last year. I mean, he was a guy where, I mean, it took some. It took a bit of time to get to this point, but you felt like when Mo Wagner was on the bench that you weren't completely screwed. You were going to get a few good minutes out of John Teske when when you needed him to rest. Um, right. Now that's maybe one of their bigger concerns this year is that now when John Teske's on the bench, 
who's going to come in and give you some good minutes because consistently no one has really done it yet. I mean, I think I can count on one hand the amount of times that Teske has been sitting out in a game and, you know, an Austin Davis or a Brandon Johns comes in and, you know, those guys have played well in a few games, but overall, like, yeah, he's arguably, we talk about how this is a team that needs to find its star player or its straw that stirs the drink or their most valuable player, whatever you want to call it. He's the one that they can at least afford to be on the bench or not playing in a game because I mean, it's, he is there. Yeah. I mean, when you think about what this team's identity is, he is that in a nutshell. Like, um, it's been very impressive. And is he a guy that you're going to be able to run the offense through? No, probably not, which is why you still want to see one of these other guys kind of get going and, and be a consistent threat. Because what that does do is does it, it does open up opportunities to where, you know, if someone collapsed on a, you know, a driving Jordan Poole or, or Charles Matthews, John Teske's outstanding on the perimeter for a wide open shot. So um, really just impressed, you know, uh, I think early on in that game, uh, Ethan Happ had like 10 points early and then the rest of the game, I think Teske outscored him like 17 to eight or something like that. So um, despite everything that, that was going against them at times, that was still a win for Michigan was in that matchup, which if you're going to get that type of basketball to him and out of the guy that, that you're going to have to address here in a few minutes here, Chris, then that's a very, that's a very tough team to beat. And we've <laughs> said that all year long. Well, uh, I don't know if this is a hot take or, or not, but I think John Teske has been far and away Michigan's MVP up to this point. I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, Anthony, they cannot afford to lose John Teske, because, you know, uh, as we saw John Beeline say, Brandon Johns, he's taking baby steps. Austin Davis, he just, uh, I mean, really, he kind of looks lost out there at times, and I know he plays well. He's got five fouls to go out and use them, you know, but uh, for the most part, John Teske, he's the kind of guy, not only is he like the glue guy that holds the rest of the team together, I mean, this guy's making plays uh, offensively and defensively, defensively, obviously no one's going to match, you know, what he could do in his production on the defensive end, but he's stepping out, hitting three, shooting the bow and arrow to the bench. Uh, I mean, he's great in the high pick and roll. He's great down low on the weak side glass. Uh, John Tasky really, he, he just does it all. He's been the MVP up to this point in my, my own opinion. And, uh, obviously wasn't the MVP, in the Wisconsin game. And this is where I really want to get to here because so Chris has been very critical obviously of Charles Matthews. I was very, yeah. And I want to get that. I was very critical of Charles Matthews as well, especially in that first half. So I tweeted out on Saturday while the game was going on. It was the first half. Charles Matthews was like, Oh, for three at the time that I tweeted this, he had a layup blocked like he looked terrible so I was like you know I I went out and I said you know when did Charles Matthews it you know go from the West Region most outstanding player to a poor man Zach Irvin and then of course second half second half comes along and then he goes nuts and and so I'm getting some flack on Twitter but I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by what the hell I said because here I went back and I looked since that first Northwestern game in Charles Matthews' last six games leading up, so this would be 13 halves of basketball if you include, um, you know, the, the what do you go, one for, he was one for four with two points in that first half against Wisconsin. In the previous 12 halves before the first half of Wisconsin as well, averaging eight points per game on 31.4% shooting from the field, including both twos and threes, and shooting 30%. From three, and then of course in the second half you went eight for eleven for sixteen points. Awesome, fantastic. Yeah, uh, look, uh, I, I'm I'm a happy. I think Luke, you, you could say the same thing. We're happy we were wrong. Like 100%, we don't hundred percent. Yeah, like I, I think sometimes people get that twisted where where, and I think there are some people out there that are crazy enough and, and so egocentric that their own opinion is more important to them than the actual results of their team. Like I want Charles Matthews. I, I do. I hope he scores 40 a game. Like I, I want him to be successful, but I, I'm not going to sugarcoat things. He, he had not been playing well. And I still know that his, that annoying 
lame player that that comes out every so often is still in there. We're probably, actually, we're definitely going to see it again at some point this season. Now, my take, I went even further than you did because it was in the first, like, four minutes of the game. He was 0 for 2. He forced a shot, had a shot blocked, traveled. Um, just, just like, as as terrible a start as you can ask for. And when he came, it was either when he was taken out of the game or when Livers was put into the game, where Michigan, after being down by six, seven, eight, got on a bit of a run, made it even, maybe even took a lead. At which, at which point, I in in all of this, Charles Matthews was either on the bench or not even touching the ball. At which point, I tweeted, Michigan's offense is better when Charles Matthews isn't getting touches. At the time, I thought I was right. Hey, I was wrong. Took a swing, took a shot. I missed it as I dropped my new phone that you I just got wrong. today. You weren't wrong, though, at that time. Like, like that's what? the thing, too. Like, Twitter, people view Twitter in, like, this revisionist sense. And I think this is, like, we've talked about it on the show, the freezing cold takes well, kind of culture Chris, that's been created. Right? Like Exactly. Like, yeah. Like, like I think Twitter is a real-time thing, you know? Yeah. I think there's people... Or go ahead, Ann. Well, if you have if you have an opinion, you can't be you cannot be afraid to put your opinion out into the universe, out into social media, because what the hell is social media even for? It's it's a you know, Twitter is what the message boards used to be. Like you are sharing your thoughts on a game in real time, and things happen. Like um the best example of how things can change in a game to me is, you know, think of that uh, NFC divisional round playoff game last year where uh, Saints are up on the, the Vikings late in the game was going to take a miracle. Vikings played like crap on the second half and then boom, miracle play happens, changes everything. Social media goes wild. People have to eat crow. Freezing cold takes is retweeting people left and right. Like it happens. That's sports. And like you said, we're going to see Charles Matthews be I don't know what whether to call him the old Charles Matthews or the frustrating Charles Matthews like whatever you want to call what his struggles have been we're going to see that again because there's too much basketball to be played I mean there's what um, Mm -hmm. six or seven Big Ten games left there's probably another three Big Ten tournament games and then as many as six NCAA tournament games like yeah he's not going to play perfect and he's not like we know what he is Uh, the reason that you know, I feel like of the three of us, I think I've been, you know, I've been down on him because he hasn't, he hadn't played well in almost a month until Saturday. But I I think I've been the most optimistic of him because there was a play in the game. Let's see if I can pull it up here really quick. Uh, I tweeted, I tweeted it out. Um, There was a play where it was a hustle play where he grabbed, didn't grab a rebound. He tipped a ball back out, a missed shot out to Jordan Poole. And then Jordan Poole hit a shot or, or hit a lay. I forget what the context of it was. And I said, this is why I'm not out on Charles Matthews like so many other people are. That tip back out to Poole is something that people won't talk about after this game. And it wasn't because from there he exploded offensively. Um, but I think what we've talked about with him before, there were a couple, and, and make no mistake about it, he was hot, but there were a couple of like, there were a couple of heat yeah. check shots that were like, oh, didn't really need to see that. But Charles Matthews at his best is a guy who can make make you know make a play on the defensive end of the floor and then run the floor and and dunk the ball or, or get a layup or drive the lane like he he's got a slash like that's what he is he's not you know he's not Kevin Durant or a guy that can you know maybe that ten to twelve foot jumper is kind of his range but I don't really want him shooting from outside more than that um, and I think that's a dimension when you have a couple of guys like you know. Um, Ross Degas, who did not play, we haven't even talked about him, didn't play well against Wisconsin again. Credit to them. It's, they I seem guess, to have yeah. kind of cracked the code on how to defend him. Uh, but when you have guys that can can hit from outside, like a Bras Degas, like Poole, like Teske, um, it creates opportunities for for guys like Matthews as well. So um no, I'm not I'm not out on him. I need to see more. I'm not, you know, I tweeted out after the game, like on oh, this was the day that Charles Matthews rose from the dead and yeah, but you're only as he's only going to be as good as his next game is because we've seen other guys have huge breakout games this year. But like I said before, no, I said like I said before, like when Charles, when you get when you get what you get out of John Teske and Charles Matthews, like you got on Saturday, 
more like I'm I'm I'll say it 95% of the time Michigan's going to win a basketball game regardless of what the other guys do. Uh I don't disagree just one one more part I wanted to add because I I'm I'm at the point now where I, I there needs to be a case study that somebody does about Charles Matthews because the in Especially with college players, we know that guys can be streaky, and, and we, you know, they can go from, you know, hitting four or five shots in a row to missing, uh, you know, going entire games. I mean, look at like Brodsdakis, perfect example. In Rutgers, he was excellent, hitting threes, driving the basket, creating penetration. I mean, he was awesome. Uh, against Wisconsin, he was garbage. I mean, he, I, I don't think he was really even on the floor the last five minutes of the game because he was that bad. Uh, but Charles Matthews. When he's at his best, like he was in the second half of the Wisconsin game, looks like a guy who could be a lottery pick. I mean, he's he's like Kobe, like a, like a mid-range Kobe Bryant. He's hitting fadeaways. He's driving. He had a great pass to Teske for an and one. He won them that game in the second half. He was excellent. I mean, as good a performance as we've seen from any player on this team in a single half all season. He was fantastic. But when he's at his worst, he's not a guy who's just missing shots. When he's at his worst, this is a guy who can't dribble, like who's running into people, who's turning the ball over, he's traveling. And it's, I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know if he feels like he needs to, if he's trying too hard. I think that might be an issue. He's one of the more experienced guys on the team. Maybe he feels like he needs to step up in these moments as opposed to letting the game come to him. But it, it's it's fascinating to me how a guy, not just in, in between games, but in between halves, can go from a, just a bum to, to the stud of all studs. I, mean, I have no complaints about what, how he played in the second half, even with some of those heat check shots that he took. It's like, you know what? At least he was trying to create uh, and and in fairness, no one was hitting outside shots for Michigan on Saturday, which I think is another issue that they, a big issue that they have. Um, I know obviously this defense is elite and they're electric, but I I think at some point, probably soon, especially on the road, they're going to go up against an inferior opponent who is gonna just be throwing in junk. I mean, we, we, we've seen it. We see it all the time in the Big Ten. We saw it last week in Champaign. Illinois was hitting some ridiculous shots against Michigan State early on, and, and I worry that as good as Michigan's defense is, they're going to run into to one of those games, and it'll be up to the offense to respond, and if they're not hitting outside shots, I feel like they're going to be in a lot of trouble. So it, it, it's a it's a good win. I, I'm happy for Charles Matthews. It's a great effort. Hopefully he he completely turns things around and starts playing like the player we know he can be. Uh, and with the way things are, Michigan is yet that Michigan's yet to have a bad loss, a loss that like I, I don't think losing to Wisconsin on the road and losing to Iowa on the road are losses that you're you can look back on at the end of the season and say that's where we tripped up, and not to uh, disparage uh, the, the program, you know, 60 miles away, but, um, okay. But the Michigan state losing to a Indiana team that is garbage at home. That's a loss that when you look back at the end of the season and you're one game back of winning a big 10 title, you say, that's the one that cost us. Michigan is yet to have one of those losses. No, not go ahead. You Woods, can you know, God willing, that's they continue to, to, to take care of business. And I think that's what they did on Saturday. Was it a, a perfect effort? No. Was there things that, that could be improved on? But uh, Absolutely. But they absolutely needed to win that game, and they did just that. So they went 2-0 in a week where they should have gone 2-0. They got Penn State tomorrow. Penn State stinks, but we know. Uh, look, 2013, perfect example. Uh, going on the road in the Big Ten is never easy. So. Those are my thoughts on the game. Well, all right. I, I I like how where we went. We got it. We got a good amount of basketball talk. More than I I thought we were going to be able to. But uh, you know, Chris and I, we had to eat a little crow here. But I do want to make the pivot to football quick because we had some some final grades come out from a uh, Pro Football Focus. And uh, Shea Patterson, I, I found this to be a little bit surprising. 
uh, graded out as the top quarterback uh, in the Big Ten ahead of Dwayne Haskins. Now, I have always been, you know, a little skeptical of PFF because I know that it, to be like a person that grades out, you don't necessarily, you know, have to have any uh, like scouting background or, or really anything like that. So I've always been a little bit skeptical, but but Anthony, I know you kind of understand how, how the PFF grading works a little bit more than I do. I'm admittedly a little bit ignorant on that, but uh, can you explain, you know, like like the PFF grading and how it, um, because it's, it's graded within what he was asked to do, correct? So basically, like, that is you pretty much just hit the nail on the head. Like PFF does not go through box scores and, um, and, and things like that and go, okay, well, you know, in a game where Dwayne Haskins threw for 500 yards and five touchdowns, he was actually outperformed by Shea Patterson, uh, you know, who threw for 212 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Like it's a little weird uh, how, basically they, they grade things within the context of a game and it's sort of similar. Um, like ESPN has their own QBR, which uh, is a little bit different than the traditional passer rating. And basically like what ESPN's QBR is, is they grade. Um, however, their little algorithm works out. Like if a guy has a QBR of 75 in a game, that means that with the, with hit the guy's performance with what he did in the context of a game, the team would win 75.7% of the time, whatever it is. Uh, that's that's neither here nor there. PFF, basically what Pro Football Focus does is they grade how a player performed within what he was asked to do. So, yeah, if, if Shea Patterson went 10 for 10 uh, for, you know, 120 yards, that would be a very, you know, if, if the throws he was making down the field were, you know, only eight or nine yards at a time, then that would probably grade out a lot more high than a guy like, you know, if Haskins threw for 300 yards, what was, you know, 19 for 35 and, and things like that. So it's a little, to me, it speaks to a few things. One, like nobody is going to sit here and say that Dwayne Haskins is not a better quarterback than Shea Patterson, because if that, if that were the case, then, Shea Patterson probably comes out for the NFL draft and probably is a first or second round pick. He's not that he's would have been a mid round pick. If he came out in a down quarterback class, uh, basically what PFF is telling you is that their grades are, are showing you who played the best, who graded out the highest in terms of what they were asked to do in each game. And um, really to me, that speaks more to Michigan's, I mean, we know what the stats are like. It wasn't um, and I'll pull those up here in a second uh, while you guys are talking. But we know that Michigan wasn't taking shots down the field. It wasn't a wide open passing offense. But um, what it what it tells me is that because I do think that there is some merit to this. If in the confines of what Michigan's offense was, Shea Patterson had a good year. He had a pretty good year. wasn't a, I don't think it was a great year. I don't think it was a very good year. But uh, you know, eighty six point two. That's what a, a a B plus or a B uh, if you're going by traditional grades. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I mean I give you credit for uh, explaining it as well as you did. Um, I I just this is just one of those things I I. I, I just don't see any merit to it. And, and I understand they have their own formula and they got to stick to it. But, um, I, and, and I like Shay. I like Shay Patterson a lot. I think Shay Patterson is as talented overall a, a quarterback that Michigan has had in a long time, a really long time. Um, and I think given uh, under the right circumstances, uh, Shea Patterson can be a guy that can compete for a Heisman. I, I genuine, I genuinely believe that. Now, will they give him that opportunity? What? Well, who knows? But I don't know. I, I just I, I saw this, and you know, it's nobody's fault except for the you know the site that posted it. It's just, it's just fuel to to 
ignite dumb arguments. Yeah. I, I mean, the, these Dwayne Haskins was flat out ridiculous last year, and and I, I get the formula of or, or the idea of well, they did. It's based on what they were asked to do. Is that is that what Basically, you said, right? Like it's how they executed the offense that they were. And, and it's not um, it's it's not a statistical right, thing like, either. They grayed out on a play by play basis watching the film. Okay, so okay, that makes a little bit more sense because I was gonna say in certain games, like so against Maryland, like when Dwayne Haskins threw for five hundred yards, like he was asked to do that. Like he, I don't know that that I don't think that's him meeting the bare minimum. I think he went above and beyond many, many times, like every game. Um, so it, it's I, I think. Well, and this this to me is an exercise like Christy suit all the time in baseball, like. There are a lot of times just there are just too many stats and too many analytics to kind of tell a story that disproves what your eyeballs see. Like sometimes you just kind of have to go with what you see. And and nobody is going to sit here and say that Haskins stinks and Shea Patterson is better. Like only a mouth breathing fan would say that, honestly, truthfully. But, um, you know, their grades are what they are. Um, I don't agree with it. Uh, I mean, you look at the rest of the top five. Trace McSorley was number three. A.J. Bush Jr. from Illinois was number four. Adrian Martinez uh, from Nebraska was number five. Um, I don't know. It's I think people are making a bigger deal out of it, especially Ohio State fans. Uh, well, both both sides of it are because I think with how the season ended, we're, we're heading into another one of those Michigan offseasons where everyone thinks the starting quarterback they have, that was pretty good. Yeah stinks and that the guy behind him should replace him. Um, I'm not, I'm not really interested in, in doing that debate because you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, it's, it's the, the only thing for me. And I mentioned this, that, that I hated was that Shea Patterson was really good. And I, I really think the staff let him down. You know, I, I, we were talking in the slack room. I really think it was like going 45 on the Autobahn in a Lamborghini. Oh with Shea Patterson last year and the receivers that the team had. Sure. And let me, let me read through his stats here real quick. Uh, threw for exactly 2,600 yards. That was 60th in the nation. 22 touchdowns, which was tied for 38th. Seven interceptions, which was tied for 21st. Yeah. Like that's, he just wasn't throwing the ball a lot. And he completed 65% of his passes. But like I said, that you go through, let me see if I can pull up the game log here. I mean, there's a lot of 12, there's a 12 for 17 in here, a 14 for 18, a 15 for 22, 15 for 24, 19 for 27, 14 for 20, 14 for 25, 11 for 17. Um, The last few games of the year, I mean, against Rutgers, 27 attempts, 28 against Indiana, 34 against Ohio State, 36 against Florida. So technically sort of i guess they did kind of uh well you you you, uh, you know why those numbers are inflated in those last bit, so it, really the last three games honestly because the indiana game was close too <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> yes yes I'm, i am totally aware <laughs> uh, 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 i'll tell you what man the irony of like the body blow philosophy is that it it makes me want to punch myself in the gut over and over again yeah and i think i've talked about that sort of ad nauseum on here that like, I have no issues with like, you're not with this new offense. If it does become a new offense, uh, you know, you talk about wanting to be more like Alabama, wanting to be more like Clemson, the, the grounded pound three or four yards at a time. There's, there are applications for that. Like you, that's keep that in your arsenal. And I think the, the biggest misconception about a lot of the fans cries about the offense was that, people wanted to see them go full big 12 and run the ball like 12 times a game and throw it 60 times a game. No, nobody's asking for that at all. I think really what it was instead of, you know, Michigan chose to control clock and trade, basically trade yards and time in lieu of points. Whereas, you know, there's say what you will about the coaching staff. And and I think that even with all the heat that Jim Harbaugh has taken, they've done a pretty good job. He's done a, I think as good a job as you can replacing the guys that he's had to replace. We'll see how this Josh Gaddis thing plays out, but the approach, you know, we've talked about this plenty of times now is that they've recruited very well on the, they've, 
they've recruited better on the offensive side of the ball than they have on the defensive side of the ball. The difference is that one side of the ball is getting coached up a hell of a lot more than the other side of it was. Um, you know, you've got three stud wide receivers. You've got, you know, Chris Evans is, is not with the team right now, but even outside of that, you know, I think a guy in Zach Charbonnet, who a lot of people are high on, and they've got some, some backs there that you can get the ball to and hopefully make some things happen. Like you can't, it's 2018. You look at the college football playoff. There's never been a body blow team that's ever made it. Like, and the teams that are close to that, like a Michigan state, uh, right. You go and you play Alabama and you get your teeth kicked in. So, um, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I know I, I, the reason I brought up the ESPN QBR thing is, um, you go through and you look at some of the QBRs numbers for, for Shea in those games. I mean, there's a lot of games where it's in the 80, 85, 86, uh, Penn state and Rutgers were 93, 98. Um, basically like those numbers mean that's, that's really good. Like 50 is average. Um, really the only time, I mean, the Florida game was his worst performance of the year, according to ESPN. Um, Notre Dame was right up there. Uh, I think the second worst, but other than that, he was in the, you know, the eighties and nineties and through much of the year. So with what he gave you, what he was able to do, you can win with that. And, and I think that I know that I don't want to say we're heading towards another quarterback controversy. Uh, we very well could be, I mean, Dylan McCaffrey could have a huge off season and, and be a guy that, because I do think that this there, you know, nothing's locked up. This is going to be a battle in camp again um, because that's just how they are. That's what Jim Harbaugh, and his like the one thing you can say about Jim Harbaugh is that outside of maybe the way that Brandon Peters was handled in 2017, the best quarterback, generally speaking, wins the job coming out of camp. And even like the book is kind of out on Peters now. Like we're I don't think he's not nearly as good as I think a lot of people hyped him up to be because he was Jim Harbaugh's first quarterback recruit and he was gonna be his version of Andrew Luck and yada yada yada. Whatever. Um but if there is a debate to be had, uh, I think that what you see here and could there be a change at some point with this new philosophy? Wouldn't really, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I think when you look at those two guys, I certainly think that Shea Patterson is, you know, I know um, shout out to Trevor Woods, one of our guys here. He wrote something on how Michigan was starting to utilize Shea Patterson, like Colin Kaepernick. Well, the more I look at this here, he's a little more Alex Smith, in the NFL than he is Colin Kaepernick. I mean, Alex Smith in college was, you know, Heisman candidate, throw that out. But um, at some point could Dylan McCaffrey be that Colin Kaepernick type shot in the arm that really kicks the offense into high gear. He could be, Uh, I wouldn't expect to see that until, you know, we're talking like midway to late in the year. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Shay's your guy, but um, you know, just even think Alex Smith with, you know, before he was traded the last few years with the Chiefs, like it's a guy who the passing, the, the completion percentage was high and he was getting the ball to, you know, your Tyree Kill, your Travis Kelsey, your, uh, before he was let go, Kareem Hunt, you know, get your ball to your playmakers. That's where the NFL is going. That's where college football is going. And uh, I think that's, that's when you'll see those numbers. It's kind of spiraled out of the quarterback grades thing, but it's, when I sit here and I look at, I, I'm not, what I saw on Twitter was people turning that into a way to bash Shea Patterson. And I'm not, I'm not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Like we know that he can be better and they can be better, uh, but I'm not out on him. And I'm not just because Dylan McCaffrey made some big plays in garbage time. Like I'm not going to sit here and fall in love with them. Like so many, I don't want to say, I won't say uneducated hmm. Michigan fans. I will say impressionable Michigan fans are. So that's kind of my my whole take on all that. That's that's totally fair, Chris. Anything to add to that? No, uh, I I in a way I kind of feel bad for. I mean, I'm sure Shay doesn't care, but I just I I, I just kind of feel bad that it did for some people turn into a, a Shay Patterson bash session over this. It's like it's not it's not his fault that some stupid you know algorithm came out that. Uh, that that wasn't meant to be a compliment towards them. I mean, it graded them number one in the Big Ten, but yeah, I think there's just honestly, man. When I said 
at before the Ohio State game that the next year's worth of conversation were going to be dictated by the result of that game. I mean, I think I was not to pat myself on the back, but I think I was absolutely right. I mean, it, there's a lot of frustration, a lot of anger that is uh, continuing to build among the Michigan fan base. And when they even hear the name Shea Patterson, there's people that are getting angry. They beat Ohio State last year. Nobody cares. You know, it, it, things are everything's hunky dory, and Shea's the starting quarterback coming into this year without any controversy. But um, the last two games left a lot of questions and uh, fewer answers. Yeah, I guess the the too long didn't read of it all is that Shea Patterson was the best player in the Big Ten of executing the shitty offense that was being run for him. That's that is. Probably the most perfect way to put it. I'm going to be honest with you. It, it does not. Get, <laughs> and can you write an article that, that just does that? Like for Maze Brew, that's perfect. Like literally just those words and that's it. Maybe one's already being worked on. I love Maybe it. There's a browser tab already. You, open. you don't, you um, literally don't have to write a single word past that. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, and one final point on all this, like, cause um, now talking about just how, after Michigan loses, you see a narrative of people bashing players and things like that. Like, I feel like, I don't know. I can't speak for other fan bases, but I feel like Michigan fans are notorious for that. Like 2016, you know, that season ends the way it does. Jarrell Peppers comes out for the draft. Well, can't wait for him to uh, not do anything in the the NFL. Be overrated there too. Rashawn Gary is coming out for the draft. Huh? Huh? Top 10 pick. Huh. Well, can't wait for him to not get any sacks in the NFL. Like, just, just stop. Like, it's not like you can hate on the kids for, for not always showing up, but like, just be so, it's just so toxic sometimes. Like some of the, some of my mentions. And like I said before, I've most of the tweets that go out from the Mason Brew account are from me. So I'm kind of the gatekeeper of the take, so to speak. My God, it's it's brutal at times, and I know that it's not. I can't can't paint a whole fan base for that, but it's just like, come on, lighten up a little bit. Like direct direct the heat where it's where it belongs to be directed. Like don't don't hate on don't hate on the kids because when you go back, none of these people will ever go back and watch the tape. But those guys played their asses off in a lot of games for them over the years, and uh, because a couple didn't go their way. You know, it goes down in their legacy, but people are just kind of shitty about it. Well, I'd, I'd say that that's a a good place to to end this one here today, unless unless there was something that else you guys wanted to uh, to mention. I think that's a good place to little PSA there from Anthony to end her today. What do you guys think? <laughs> yeah, man, I I got nothing else to add, really. Well, uh, I don't really have anything to add. Just curious, uh, did you guys watch any of that AAF? over the weekend. Oh yeah. I'm all in. I love it. Cause I, cause the AAF knows what it is and knows what it isn't. You know, I, I'm in, I'm in yeah. on it. I, I it's not, I, no, ahead, it, I, I just saying I, I didn't watch a second of it. Um, I didn't know it existed till like last Thursday. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I can't see myself getting super into it, but on you know, I I I I think based on the response it's gotten from the fans, uh, I I might have to tune tune it tune into it a little bit. Oh, sorry, I'm getting a call on Skype. My bad. Uh, I might have to. Uh, Are you two time? Oh, us? absolutely. No, I didn't mean. I I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea why somebody called me. But uh, yeah, uh, I lost train. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably have to tune in and try to watch it. Uh, I I think it's. Uh, it, people people seem to be enjoying it, and hey, what the hell? It's free yeah, sport. It's I'll say this: it's not it's not great football. Like it's just not. Uh, but some of the like broadcasting, like the, the 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 head replay person up in the booth is mic'd up, so when they're reviewing plays on the field, like you're listening to their conversation, and there's like a level of transparency there. Those games move. They've been done in like two and a half hours. Uh, you know, it's it is it is what it is. It's a developmental spring league, and you know a couple of those guys are going to ball out and 
you know, probably be in NFL training camps this fall, uh, which is cool. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that the luster will kind of wear off on it. Uh, uh, how about uh, shout out Devian Smith scored the first touchdown uh, in the history of the league, uh, playing for the Steve Spurrier and the Orlando Apollos, the team that I have adopted. That's my squad. That, that's my squad. That's right, I'm an man. Apollos fan. I, I said it before, Hanks. I, I, I'm rolling with the old ball coach, man. I love me some Steve yeah, Spurrier. Uh, we'll see what happens with all of it. I mean, it's. I, I think that in terms of the way the game moves and then some of the rules, like they don't do kicks at all. There are no kickoffs, no extra points. So um, I think they start at the, the 25 and just let it roll. So um, it's interesting. Um, I, I could see some of the things. I, I don't know if it, the product is sustainable. I think at some point the the staying power of a league like this or Lord willing, if they ever wind up playing the XFL is going to depend on if you could, if you're able to pay enough to pull kids out of school before that three years is up to go to the NFL. Um, I think, I do think that that's going to happen with one of these leagues, probably the XFL uh, because they're, I think Vince McMahon's a little more prone to throwing the hail Mary uh, to use a football pun to get people to tune in. Plus the AF kind of has a relationship with the NFL now. Uh, those games are going to be on NFL Network. That's that's why I think that's why I think it's going to stay though. For that reason, right there, the XFL is trying to like compete with the NFL, especially when it first came around. Like again, the AAF knows what it is, knows what it isn't. It's going to be a feeder system. They do it perfectly the way they have the schedule set up. Just eight teams, two games Saturday, two games Sunday. I, I think that's the the way they do it is perfect. And you got some big names that were former college players. I. You know what? I I like what they're doing. It's not gimmicky like the XFL was. I think I think it's got some staying power. It's not going to do huge ratings, but I think it's going to do base MLB ratings. I, I really do. I, I really do. What 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 else are you going to watch exactly. on? You know, February sixteenth right. on a Saturday night. Like you're going to watch you're going to watch The Big Bang Theory on TBS. Like no free ads, but right. Uh, like, yeah, and, and like Sunday afternoons, like there's nothing going like golf doesn't really start until the Masters for a lot of people, you know, on Sundays. And, and that's not even you a know, huge draw. This is, golf. This is the mean, perfect like hungover on a February Sunday. Bro, like they know exactly what they are. Exactly. If you want to scratch that itch, uh, if you haven't seen it, watch the XFL's 30 for 30, because there's some stuff in there with Vince McMahon and then Charlie Ebersol, who's actually like in charge of the AAF, which it's kind of interesting um, how those two were, were in that 30 for 30. And then Ebersol beats Vince McMahon to the market. He sort of, uh, sort of uh, beat him to the punch there, but yeah, that's my only thoughts on that. It's fun. Um, I'd rather watch it than the pro bowl or hell, even the, what, you know, with, with the way the NFL season left us, which with quite possibly the worst Super Bowl of all time, like, I'll check it out. I got other stuff to do, but I'm not going to be one of those guys that's like, this isn't real football. My football is played between uh, September and f- the first weekend in February. This is yeah, all, all the forms of football are inferior. I mean, it, it's it's fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I like it. I love it. And go Apollos. All right. Squad. Chris, where can we find you on social media, Squad. friend? All right, you can find me at Twitter, that's at Castellani2014, that's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. I'm also back on Snapchat for the time being, my uh, name on there is the exact same as my Twitter. I'm on Instagram under Chris Castle 95 that's C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-T-L-E-95. Also, in my Twitter bio, you can find the link to my YouTube channel. i got to get some videos up one of these days. And, uh, yeah, that would be all. So uh, give me a follow. Anthony, where where can you be found? So I can be found on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Um, I was able to procure one of the – it was social media day at Chrysler over the weekend. Uh, so they, had, they gave out a bunch of towels with uh, basically emoji-looking like Michigan players and, and John Beeline on there. I was able to, uh, through a friend, get my hands on a few of those. I put up a little thing on Twitter that, if you help, like, I feel so stupid. You know, I've been stuck at like 4,700 followers for a while. So I said, if I get to 5,000, that I'll, I'll give one of these towels away. So, 
hey, if you don't follow me, follow me, retweet me. Uh, maybe maybe you'll get a towel out of it. How, that seemed fair. I don't know. Jeez, look at you guys. You guys are Twitter just, you guys got all the followers over there. I'm stuck. I'm not even to 1,000 yet, but that's all right. Well, get him, get him to nice whatever happens first. You get Luke to 1,000 or me to 5,000, I'll, I'll, I'll mail you a towel. Hey, it's sound? a nice it's a nice little Twitter community that I have, but you can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Make sure you follow the Brewcast Show page at Brewcast Show. Uh, we're going to be hopefully doing some engagements, maybe some Q&A, maybe get some mailbag going on one of these episodes. That would be fun. Uh, so yeah, make sure yeah. you follow that at, at Brewcast Show. Uh, go do that. You can find Mason Brew on Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe to this on iTunes. Leave a review as well. And uh, that's that's where all the magic happens. All right, boys. It, it was another fun episode here today for Chris Castellani, for Anthony Broom. I'm Luke Yardy. We'll see you next week on Brewcast. Brewcast.